So our second scripture story is the one uh, that I referenced with the children, but I'll invite you to hear it again from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. Listen uh, for the word that God has for this church today. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words, God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else, crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Picture uh, this scene in your mind's eye, if you would. Uh, you can close your eyes if it's easier for you to imagine it that way. Uh, we see a table. On one side of the table, sits a woman and a man. The woman looks like a, a social worker. Uh, she's friendly and warm and personable. The man seated next to her looks like, uh, well, he looks kind and friendly too, but with his glasses and thoughtful uh, face, he gives off the air of a, a, a scientist. The truth is, uh, and you can open your eyes now if you've, if you've pictured these two sitting there, uh, the truth is, the man is a researcher and the woman uh, an employee, and they are studying uh, DNA testing for purposes of genealogy, uh, research, and curiosity. This man and woman sitting on one side of the table uh, remains the same, but a, a whole cast of other characters shuffles, each in their turn, to sit on the other side of the table. Uh, across from them to be interviewed. These are their test subjects uh, from diverse backgrounds, uh, races, and nationalities. One by one, they come and take their seat and are interviewed. Uh, first, are asked about their backgrounds, about their home, their culture, and ethnicity. Here comes uh, this, uh, uh, this Brit, uh, Jay. A tough young man with a large silver chain hanging down over his chest. He might or might not be a soccer hooligan, but he would certainly fit the part by the looks of him. When he's asked to reflect on where he's from, he muses, yeah, yeah I'm proud to be English. My family have served and we've defended this country and we've been to war for this country. Yeah, I think we are probably the best country in the world, if I'm honest. So that's Jay. Then there's Elaha, a beautiful young woman, Kurdish by culture, but displaced from her homeland by violence and insecurity. She takes her spot at the table. 
and she's brought a photo album and is showing the researchers pictures. This is a Kurdish wedding, she says, pointing to the photo album with my mom in the traditional Kurdish garb there and, and my dad too. At some point after each of these individuals, after they come and take their seat and tell about themselves and where they are from, the woman interviewer asks them uh, to think about other countries and other nationalities in the world. Are there any, she asks, that you feel um, you don't get on with so well or, or you don't particularly like, she asks. Uh, Elaha, the young Kurdish woman, she looks sad, confused, and conflicted, like, like she doesn't want to think about this question. She doesn't want to have to answer it. Now, our cocky Brit, uh, Jay, he doesn't have the same trouble or any qualms, actually, uh, identifying a country or a nationality that, that ranks low in his esteem. Oh, yeah, he says, Germany, he says. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Germans. There's another young man, a man from Iceland, large and robust and uninhibited. He doesn't have any problem either getting in touch with his uh, uh, own superiority. Yeah, he says, I'm more important than you. I mean, I don't know you, he tells the researchers, but in my opinion, I am strong and I am more important than a lot of people. Uh, Elaha, the young Kurdish woman, has the most difficulty with the question, who do you not like? Uh, I think it conflicts with her, her good sense and a desire on her part not to speak badly about anyone. But the woman interviewer, she persists, and eventually Elaha, this displaced Kurd, finally, haltingly confesses, hesitatingly, well, I, I have this side of me, she says, that's like, that, that hates Turkish people. Oh, no, not people, she says, raising her hands to her face, horrified at what she's just said. Not people, but the government. Uh, there's a lot of looking down on others going on here. But of course, the researchers' questions were designed in such a way to elicit this kind of response. The subjects, each in their turn, taking their seat uh, on the subject side of the table, are simply uh, being honest, even if it has to be dragged out of them or coerced from them. How would you answer that question if you were in that seat? Is there a country, a, a nationality you don't get on so well with? Now, this uh, uh, research, this uh, study was done in Europe where countries run together like states. Here, we might ask instead, are there any groups of people you don't like or look down on? Uh, any regions or subcultures that you just don't care for. At the end of each interview, the subjects in this story are invited then to, to go and uh, take part in a DNA study. If willing, they will fill a plastic tube with their saliva and are told uh, that this tube now uh, contains their story, at least the story of their uh, DNA. The story of you is in that tube, says the male researcher. What's it going to tell me? Well, it's going to tell you I'm English, like I've told you, says Jay. Oh, it's going to be, oh, you're, yeah, you're French, says Aurelia, a young woman with an accent. Oh, and wait, your grandparents are French, and wait, their grandparents before them. Solid Iraqi, predicts a young man named Waj. 100% Bengali, declares another. The differences on display 
in the temple of Jesus' story are not racial or ethnic, but they are national and ethical. The tax collector is a collaborator with Rome and as such falls out of good Jewish company. Ask any good Jew of Jesus' time what uh, nationality or what people uh, they don't like, and they will likely tell you they don't like the tax collectors. To be a tax collector is synonymous with being corrupt. Uh, maybe, like we joke today, about lawyers or politicians. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> the Pharisee does everything right and is well respected in society. The surprise for Jesus' listeners in the story that is told here in Luke uh, is not in the behavior of the Pharisee. Uh, they think the Pharisee is, is right to feel uh, righteous about himself. Uh, there may be some surprise uh, to hear of a tax collector who's even in the temple praying, but the real surprise in the story that Jesus tells uh, is in the ending when Jesus lifts up the devotion of the tax collector and suggests that that man, and not the Pharisee, is the one who goes home saved. And here's the problem. Anytime we slip into thinking that our good works are earning some good standing in our community or in our church or our social circle or even in the eyes of God, uh, this kind of karmic thinking that assumes there's some cosmic ledger of accounts uh, balancing the good we do over against the bad, and if only the good side outweighs the bad, we can pat ourselves on the back and relax, and we don't need God or God's grace. That's the trap one can fall in when focusing on good deeds and taking account of one's own merit. That is the trouble with karma. I love you, God says. I love you, and I need you, and I claim you. You are mine, not because of the good that you do, but because you are you. And you are worthy of my love because I created you. And that bears repeating. Uh, God says uh, to you and to you and to you, I love you and I need you and I claim you. You are mine. See, the Pharisee prays in the temple, but the Pharisee never actually looks up to God. He's too busy looking at himself and at those around him uh, thank goodness I'm not like that guy over there. His spirit's posture never really turns to God. The tax collector, however, slumped in the shadows as he was, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, begs God give mercy. And his spirit is fully turned and fully tuned to his Lord and Creator. He openly and honestly presents himself before his Lord, and full of humility, he throws himself upon the mercy of the Lord. Forgive me, a sinner, he cries. I tell you, says Jesus, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be lifted up. Be careful who you put down, who you put down or how you lift yourself up. The great reversal of the gospel will catch us all in its wake and the kingdom of God will see the proud eat humble pie and the lowly lifted up to places of great esteem. 
Two weeks after all those research subjects filed in and sat down to be interviewed by the woman and the man at the table that you imagined here, uh, two weeks later they're all brought back again, together this time, not one by one, but all in the same room, brought back to find out what could be learned from their DNA. And everyone in the study files into the same room, taking seats on bleacher-type seating, uh, the researcher and assistant sitting again behind uh, a table, stacked this time with DNA results. Gathered as if they were uh, an audience, the group gathered for some entertainment, for some show. The subjects, curious, have no idea what their DNA has revealed about them. From the table where the two interviewers sit, they call up the participants, or down, I guess, call them down one by one. Uh, they start Jay. You remember our cocky Brit. Jay, can you come down and join, join us, the male interviewer says. So this blue-collar, uh, self-confident man who doesn't care for the Germans uh, comes and sits down. Are you ready to find out your results, asks the female interviewer. Uh, pushing the results across the table to him, he opens it and takes a look. Uh, he smiles and rolls his eyes. Actually, I think he rolls his whole head as he chuckles a little. Will you read it out to us, please, she asks. He does so, haltingly. Great Britain, 30%, he says. Not nearly as high or as exclusive as he might have thought. 5%, he says, and pauses for dramatic effect. 5% German he finishes. And the room erupts in good-natured laughter at the irony. We watch as others come down and receive their DNA results. An un unknown woman reads her results and exclaims with shock, I'm Irish. Waj, the young man from Iraq, tries to uh, reconcile his results as he reads them. Yeah, he says, so I'm a Muslim Jew, he says, trying to figure out what that means. And when Elaha is called down to the table, she picks up her results and pauses, uh, holding out her hand, shaking. Wow, she says, look at me. And then she reads her results out loud, comprehension following slowly behind the words, clearly showing mixed results. She reads, Caucasus, which was, and she pauses to think, Turkish, right? Yeah, and she laughs uncomfortably. Aurelia, the young French woman, uh, inhales and gasps, reading her results. Oh my, oh, oh wow, I didn't expect that. I'm 32% British. And then she goes on, uh, off the cuff, to say, I'm going to go a bit far right now, she says, but this should be compulsory. She says, everyone should have to do this. There would be no such thing as extremism in the world if people knew their heritage like that. Like, who would be stupid enough to think of such a thing as like a, a pure race, she says. Uh, in a way, says the male researcher, in a way we're all kind of cousins, in a broad sense. In a much more direct sense, he continues, addressing Elaha now, the young Kurdish woman, in a much more direct sense, you have a cousin in this room. And Elaha gets emotional uh, at this, he can't believe it. Uh-uh, uh she says, no way. And then the researcher tells her, turn around and guess who it is. And she looks at the gathered group of subjects on the bleachers. Uh, she's crying and emotional. She turns around and considers the random gathering of 40 or 50 diverse people. So multicultural, 
and multinational. <laughs> I think I know, she says. Waj, says the researcher. Yeah, what's that, says the Iraqi, who has just discovered he shares both Muslim and Jewish ancestry. Why don't you come down here and meet your cousin? <laughs> oh my goodness, says Waj. Elaha looks shocked. Waj a little bemused. He comes down and they hug. Did you know that? Elaha asks this stranger turned distant relative accusingly. I didn't. I had no idea, says Waj. This is like my heart's pounding right now. I swear to God. And just like that, so many who thought they knew who they were, who thought they knew what made them important or strong, or at, at least better than this other group, discover instead so much richness and so much more interconnectedness in their own makeup, in their own DNA. And God loves them all. And God wants us all. And God claims each and every one of his uh, blessed children, Pharisee or tax collector, Iraqi or Kurd, Muslim or Jew, church-going socialite or recently reformed drug addict. God wants them all, wants us all, and desires for us to meet him in the temple, to come uh, open and honest and authentic about ourselves and declare our need for God every day in every way. Uh, Lord, we pray as the tax collector in our story, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, what a wonder is the God we serve. What a marvel is the master who calls us by our name and hopes for good things from us. How majestic is the name of the Lord our God. Thanks be to God. Amen.